For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Hey y'all, Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. The Britflix Fright Fest Preview Podcast. Welcome to another Britflix.com podcast. Fright Fest Preview Series. And today we're talking In Control with Kurt Harder. Hello, Kurt. Hello, sir. Thanks for having me. It's all right. It's all right. You're my uh, lucky 21st film to get covered at the uh, Fright Fest this year. Um, so it's been a, it's been a bumper one for uh, interviewing filmmakers. So I'm glad to have you on board. Yeah, we're kicking off today. The first couple of movies. Indeed, indeed. Yeah, I'm talking to you uh, for the honesty's benefit. I'm talking to you on the, what is officially the first day of Fright Fest. Yeah. So uh, in a few hours, we'll be sitting down for the cult of Chucky. Yeah. <laughs> Indeed. Well, look. Let's let's uh, let's tell people first and foremost. Give us a brief synopsis as to what In Control is, so they can know what what to expect. Yeah. So In Control follows a few college students that kind of happen upon this um, box device that allows them to kind of go into the minds of others and take control of them without them knowing that they're being controlled. So they're able to experience things from other people's perspectives. They're able to kind of take actions further than you would with the normal consequences. So they kind of use it for their own hedonistic pleasures and that kind of stuff and just using it for fun. But as it goes, it starts to fall apart and outside influence start to, starts to creep in. So it's a pretty far out idea or is, or is it indeed grounded in any truth? Where does it come from? Um, so yeah, the idea, it kind of thematically kind of follows the idea of, are we not to play into the title in control of our own actions or is it, kind of other influences that kind of make up who we are. So is it like culture or those are outside influences what actually control our actions or does that come from within? So it kind of explores that kind of idea and then kind of goes into kind of a what if scenario. What you what you talking about social conditioning you mean? Yeah, so is is are we conditioned through like education or social media or different influences? Is that kind of who we are? Or are we just like a big combination of all these outside influences or do we actually have kind of our own personal voice so you'll see you're, you're you're testing the hypothesis of whether free will really exists yeah i mean i don't have any answers but it kind of asks these questions that's kind of the where the movie goes and kind of goes into a dark a darker side of things yeah no indeed indeed i mean it played it funny enough i was i was talking to my father-in-law about stuff and uh recently and he his his hypothesis was 
because he comes from a computer program. He's retired now, but he comes from a computer development world. And, right. his, and, and, and he obviously has done lots of contracts which are about how computers control stuff. And he said, I always like to think that maybe we are just in a program and somebody is making us do what we do. Yeah, the simulation theory is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, which is kind of like, it's that idea of, I, I didn't find it cool at all. I was kind of, <laughs> I was kind of horrified that, th- that maybe anything I've done or ever done, you know, any, al- any album I've chose to listen to or, or, you know, or direction of travel is actually just somebody doing it for me. I've not made that decision. I guess, but it doesn't really matter at the end of the day, I guess, because it's our experience and we don't really, we can't really see outside of this box that we kind of live in. So sure. I guess at the end of the day, it, it could be that, but it doesn't really affect our day to day. It's the fact, that, the fact that we think about it is just, is, yeah, is, it's, is more it's of a revelation of paranoia, isn't it, than it is about proof. <laughs> totally. So so in, in terms of, I mean, uh, is is there any sort of technology you're you're drawing inspiration on, or is it more just a hypothesis about who's in control, what's in control? We really try to keep it as simple as possible on the on the technological side of things, um, keeping the box super simple, not getting it too complicated with like cords and everything. Mm. Um, sci-fi's can get pretty pretty crazy. We wanted to just kind of focus on the themes and and concepts behind the film, but not really get into the technicalities of it. So in, in, in developing the screenplay, what, what do you remember being the, um, being the main sort of story challenges for you? Because, I mean, what, how, many, how many people are your kind of principal cast? Uh, it's a pretty big cast. I think we had like 40 to 50 speaking roles. Cause, um, Bloody hell. We have, yeah, because <laughs> we have our – it was really funny how the shoot went because we had our four, four-ish leads yeah. of the film that, that we kind of follow throughout the film. But through the, them going into the minds of others – they were, on, they were in the shoot for maybe half the shoot. So it was kind of funny. We were, like, wrapping them halfway through the shoot and being like, all right, that's a wrap on all the leads. And, like, wait, we have a whole second half of the shoot to go with all the people that they control. So it was, it was a pretty funny shoot that way. So in that sense, then, I mean, that, that must have looked really odd on the page. Yeah, it, it reads kind of funny because how we kind of approached it was um, what we had is our, we had our leads record all of the lines mm. that – these other actors would have to play. So we had other actors playing other actors playing characters. So it was kind of this meta thing where they were watching tapes of these original actors saying the roles and they would kind of use those inflections to try to mimic them so that we kind of know who's who. But a lot of the movie kind of plays into that of like figuring out who's who in these new scenes that we're kind of jumping into through the machine. Mm. So what what be, out of that then what became what became the challenges for you to sort of work out in terms of, you know, the themes are big, but then yeah. themes are not story, are they? So, so what, what, what did, how did you drill down to create a story out of those themes? Yeah, so that was, a, that was a definitely a big question kind of going into the script was just figuring out kind of who we were going to follow. And it, we kind of landed on this girl, Samantha, mm-hmm. who's a bit of an outcast. She's a brainiac in school, but knows all of the technical information about life. Hmm. but has never really lived it. So we kind of follow this aspect of she's read all about these things. She knows um, all these theories about social commentary and like that kind of stuff, but she's never actually lived. So what this machine allows her to do is finally kind of get out of her own skin and just be able to experience these things that she's read about but never done herself. There must be something... I mean, there's obviously something in the ether because um, this, this you've got your film and there's also... Um, there's also a film called Mind Hack that's on the program this year, yeah. which which is which is this idea of we we can reboot your mind so you can be a good human. 
Um, <laughs> take out all the bits that make you evil. Um, you've got you've got Death Note, where we're trying to kill everyone that's evil. Yeah. Um, and then you've got I, Imitation Girl, which is a um, which is actually about the, 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 conf, conf, sort of holds a mirror up against someone who is bound by societal pressures in terms of who they are and what they are, and right. then puts that against an, an imitation of herself, which materialises out of nothing, and is able to just be a sponge and do what she wants okay. as, as a kind of so so someone that knows nothing but is an adult. Can can freely move in in the world, and somebody who is who's made choices, their life is then defined. So, it, I mean, they're all they're, they're, they're not they're not the same as yours by any stretch of imagination, but they are all about identity. And they are all about who we are and what we are, and deter- and also the bigger debates which are going on. Especially, you know, it's hard to ignore a world in where we've got someone like Trump as president of America, yeah. and the and, and the debates around what is right and what is wrong about the way we go about our lives has been so blurred now, hasn't it? So blurred, yeah. I've, I, did, I, didn't un, I, never, I never knew I'd get into a world where, where people are debating the difference between a fact and a truth. Yeah, it's, the world has gotten very weird the last couple of, uh, couple of years. It's been, it, I wouldn't have believed it five years ago with some of the stuff going on these days. But, it, but, but I, guess, I guess horror and sci-fi are, are perfect arenas to explore things that are popping out, you know, the unintended consequences of all this and maybe run with it, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's definitely cool. The cool genre that kind of can go into the darker side of things with, with exploring these kind of questions. So what were, what, were the, uh, what were the thorny issues that you begin to sort of shine a light on in terms of, of what, you've been, what you're positing within control? Well, I think, like, for me, I, when I kind of approach a film, I usually, I don't, pretend to have any answers or any like specific notions. I have my opinions, but a lot of the time I'm just trying to ask the questions and kind of look into that and mm. not, not necessarily give an answer, but just kind of get the conversation started. It's always my goal. So what do you, what do you, what questions are you, are you hoping to, uh, to leave us with when we walk out the cinema? Um, just, uh, what, why do you do the things that you do? What, what kind of gets you up in the morning and causes you to say, watch that certain movie or go to that certain restaurant? Is it, is it just, is it your choices or is it these just preconceived things that kind of have been made up is, is basically the core question behind the film. Okay. So, so when you were shooting this movie then, and it's interesting, you talk about the fact that you, you kind of wrapped on your principal characters and then went and shot the rest of the movie because it didn't include them, even though they're present in the movie. What did that? What did that present for you in terms of sort of, I guess, I don't know, continuity for uh, for, for for as one thing that I can think of. Yeah, it was it was a it was a definitely a tricky shoot because we have you have four kind of distinct characters, but through that you have all of these sets of other people that you're trying to get to play them. So a big question for us, and the big kind of scary thing of going into this movie was. Are people are we going to be able to sell that this person is Samantha and this person is Mark? Mm. And is the audience going to be able to pick up on like nuance of uh, do we play it just really obvious or do we play it kind of subdued? And so it's kind of fighting this balance in between. And I think we got a good balance. So I guess we'll see with how people react to it. But um, yeah, playing into having all of these actors playing the same people, but with little inflections because they are their own characters in the film. These other actors but they're being influenced by other people. So their dialogue is based off of these original four characters. Yeah, so what you're saying is it's like that's, that somebody has a somebody has a voice, 
Yeah. And then and then your kind of your character that you're we're actually following in the story enters some other point. I mean for the for the listener, I've not seen the film, so I'm 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 yeah. doing this blind. So this is me just sort of um drilling down on what I'm learning in this conversation. So so in a sense you you kind of going they had a voice and now they, and then and then through the transition whatever happens in to become in control they then adopt a new voice which is i guess at one point it was passive and you're just literally observing somebody do stuff and understanding how they go about it and then i'm guessing the progression is you begin to play with that idea of knowing what they're going to do and influence what what they do in terms of that control yeah Exactly, yeah. So we have, um, yeah, so basically we have these other characters and then we're playing them, being controlled by them. These are our core leads. And do, does, does, your, does your vessel, for want of a better expression, fight back against it? Or does your vessel allow themselves to be manipulated because they've got no choice? That that does come into question near the third act. Is, is okay, okay. Yeah, I won't yeah. give away. No, 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 no. I'm asking the questions because I don't know yeah. you. You spoil you spoil as little or as much <laughs> as you want. Yeah. Um, no, the the idea is that there you're not aware of of these outside influences at first, and we start to question that as the film kind of goes on. Is once do they start to become aware that their influences are being kind of kiboshed? That is an amazing, amazingly simple idea of 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 kind of paranoia, isn't it? Yeah. To become aware that you're not in control, and not understand or try to begin to understand what is controlling you, is is really spooky. Yeah, yeah. If you start thinking about it, it can be kind of crazy. Because it's it's crazy, but then but then on the flip side, it's also liberating because you go, "What the fuck? I'm not doing it." <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's not my my actions. I'm just a product. So, in terms of the shoot, then what what are you what 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 would you say was the um, to get in camera, as it were? What was your what was your biggest challenge in terms? You know, because obviously we, we we make movies, and certainly a lot of the Frankfest movies are, 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 are hampered by the constraints of of limited resources, and limited funds. So, yeah. where where were you able to sort of? You know, pull pull the rabbit out of the hat, as it were, for, in terms of production, and, and what was that? What did that enable you to achieve? Um, yeah, one of the cool things is, um, well, our producer Chris Ball um, mm-hmm. had this old car of his that had been kind of sitting around, and uh, and we decided in the script that we wanted to do kind of a big car flip, which is what we kind of opened the film on. Mm-hmm. So he went to his his mom and said, "Mom, I'm gonna finally I'm gonna flip my car," and she's like, "Oh, great, you're gonna fix it up and sell." He's like, "No, I'm gonna actually flip it." And so, <laughs> Up, uh, yeah, we gutted it and bought like another another car that was exactly the same, and we were able to kind of outfit it for just kind of using contacts that we had in the film industry from us working crew. And we had a friend of ours who was a stunt guy, and he came out and helped us out, and we ended up doing this big flip, which is which was pretty cool to to be able to do on such a small film. Um, but yeah, some of the some of the biggest challenges were definitely just kind of casting and and figuring out putting like different groups of people together on a big board and saying like these people would be playing this person. So we had this huge wall of our main leads and then all the people that they would eventually control kind of underneath them and figuring that out. And that was just a big puzzle. Cause you're like, Oh, this person kind of looks like them, but doesn't act like them. And so watching tapes and trying to figure out, Oh, could he play this character being controlled by this person? And so that was probably the biggest challenge kind of going into the project. In, in in the trailer, 
um, what I can ascertain is that they take something, don't they, from someone, which is the thing that, that enables you to do it, yeah? They steal it, is that right? Yeah, it kind of starts off and um, Samantha kind of comes in and they, this small group has already, they've stolen it, so we're not sure where exactly it came from, but we know that it was it was uh, not not good where they could, took it from. Okay, and, so so it was it was it's nefarious sort of ambitions to start with are not clear. It's we, we learn we learn the machine as 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 they get to learn it, as it were. Yeah, exactly. We kind of we kind of slowly unravel where this machine might have come from and why they took it. So, so in terms of, in terms of your casting, then what was what what the, obviously the volume sounds like like a, like a big challenge. But then for your your sort of four main people. What what was the process there for you? Um, yeah, so that was we kind of put out a casting call, and a lot of it was just done through ourselves and kind of finding people that we we had known. Um, we, our executive producer Colin Minihan helped a lot with kind of finding like our one of our actors Levi Meaden and Anya Savchic had kind of worked with him before in the past, and he kind of helped us connect. And so we were, we were lucky to have him there. Um, we met one of our other leads, Rory J. Saper, who's actually from London here. Okay. Uh, he was a, he had just come to a film festival randomly at Calgary, and we kind of hit it off, and he had a film there, and we had a film there years ago. Mm-hmm. And um, just kind of stayed in touch, and he ended up going off to do some, some bigger movies, like he was in, like, Tarzan and stuff. Yeah. And basically through just kind of staying in touch, we're like, hey, you should come hang out with us and make this movie. And it kind of just went from there. Wow. So where, where, where did the shoot take place? So we shot, originally we shot most of it around Calgary, and we did some pickups in Vancouver. Okay. For some, some of the boat shots. And, and, and as, as a place to shoot in, what's, what's, how do you find that? Calgary is a cool community. It's, it's like a smaller film community. We have a couple of shows. Um, Hell on Wheels shows, shoots there. Okay. Uh, we got a new show shooting right now called Damnation. Mm-hmm. So, the, yeah, it has about three crews as opposed to somewhere like Vancouver or Toronto in Canada where that's it's about much bigger where they have just a bunch of shows. So it's cool to be able to, if you kind of time your shoot correctly, you can. there's a lot of people who are kind of off shoots and they're more willing to help you out. Oh, like okay. A, um, and, yeah, so basically we were able to kind of use assets from Chris and I working in the industry and crew and kind of building up kind of favors and contacts and friends in the industry that were able to kind of do stuff like the car flip or bringing say crane out for a day was which in Vancouver probably wouldn't have been possible. Is, is, Cal, is Calgary a bit, is it a bit cowboy country there or is it, is it, is it urban? Yeah. It's, it, they call it um, like the Canadian Texas basically. It's yeah. That's, bit, that's what it's for. Yeah. It's definitely oil country. So, mm. So, so you're gone. Sorry, uh, sorry. Yeah, not the. You wouldn't expect a bunch of films to come out of it, but it's definitely kind of blue collar corporate. Okay, so you're in uh, you're in town for for Fright Fest, so that means I guess you're going to be at your at your screening for Q and A and stuff, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I will be attending that. And this is your what premiere is it? Uh, European premiere. European premiere. Congratulations on that from. Thank you. Uh, where where where, is it, where where was its world premiere? Uh, we played at the Calgary Film Festival, which was kind of a cool celebration of it. We had a, like kind of everybody out for it. Yeah. Was you able while you were making the movie? Then was you, was you making connections 
within the local community and stuff was did you get did you get any help and things did you find you get any favors yeah no this built this this movie definitely wouldn't have been possible without the help of kind of all the people in in the local industry there because we were we were a very small film so without kind of the support kind of backing us it, it definitely wouldn't have been possible what would you um in terms of that when you when you um when the film finishes um at Frankfest and, and people are and people are sort of thinking about it. What what are you what are you most um, what are you most excited about seeing with them, as it were? What are you what what part what part? Can you give any any hints about what goes on in the movie about what you're looking forward to seeing their reaction to or or showing off whatever it is you you, you put on screen for them? Um, I think a big thing for me is just I hope people have fun with it. I mean, at the end of the day, it's it's entertainment, and if I can get them kind of asking a couple questions at the end of it, that's that would be awesome. What's what sort of tone are you going for? Is it is it is it a thriller? Is it is it is it more of a drama? Yeah, it's it's more of a lo-fi like sci-fi thriller. Okay, but it's yeah, it's definitely it's not a huge. It's definitely a slower burn type of film. Okay, cool. It slowly unravels. It's not it's not. Quick and paced, yeah. Brilliant, brilliant. Well, look, thank you very much for uh, giving us your time on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. You have been listening to the Britflix Fright Fest Preview Podcast. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. Hey y'all, Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. Discover South Carolina.